I didn't really have a title until Ken texted me today, so I guess it's the road to revival, I would call it. And it's Isaiah 40, verses 1 to 5. You know, and I just want to share briefly what the Lord has placed on my heart. You know, revival is something that excites me. It's something that we all want, isn't it? It's something we all desire in our lives. It's something we all desire in our families, in our workplaces, isn't it? But first and foremost, it has to start here. In our hearts. And I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit that the Lord's going to do a work with us tonight. Father, I come before you. I pray that this weak vessel, that Lord, you would use this weak vessel for your glory. Father God, we pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that your your word would find a resting place in each one of our hearts tonight, Lord. Lord, it would be a challenge as it's been to me. Lord, it would be a challenge to each one of us tonight. We go out of here tonight rejoicing in the God of our salvation. Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to listen, Amen. and hearts to understand what you want to say and what you plan to say. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Refreshments first. You know, like I said, we all want revival, don't we? We'll read, we'll read uh, verse 1 and the second. You know, genuine revival is a time whenever God moves upon a people that are spiritually prepared, that are hungry to see God glorified in their generation, in their workplace, wherever it is. And I am tired of seeing the name of Jesus trampled underfoot. I am tired. I want to see the name of Jesus lifted up in every situation, in every life, in every heart. So I'm I'm tired. Folks, we live in terrible days, don't we? We live in days and it's just so hard. And men's hearts are failing for fear and just the things that's going on. Like you can't even pray in public. If somebody's sick, you can't pray over them. If they're going to pass laws where you can't pray over a sick person. You know, street preachers are being arrested. Yes. You know, for preaching the gospel, like, come on. That's right. It's an absolute joke, so it is. You know, the things that's going on, like, we are, I believe we're creating God's image. Yeah. Man and woman, we create this. Like, you've got many, up to a hundred genders now. It's just, it's getting ridiculous. There's more add on every day. So there is, you know, we're living in days where men, are, men can compete in women's sports. Like smashing records of girls, biological women have set. You know, we'll not go down that road tonight, but I'm going to say it. A man, a biological man, cannot change into a biological woman. Amen. End of story. You know, we look at our, our world now, abortion, gay marriage, slipped in through the back door, really, in this country. You know, the, the church, I'm speaking to myself too, the church never really bothered an eyelid. I know it's not. It's a process for it to, to come back to come in fully, but you know, we get used to things. You know, sometimes things don't shock us anymore. You know, if you sit in a dark room, a pitch black room, sooner or later you'll get used to the dark. Sooner or later you'll see a shadow. Sooner or later you'll see silhouettes. You know, and I think sometimes us as Christians, we get used to the dark. We get so used to it and so hear the news. If you watch the news every day, it's doom and gloom every day, and you'll hear bad news upon bad news. You know, sometimes nothing shocks us, nothing grieves us. You know, and I pray that we would never get used to the dark. The evil that's out there, I pray that we would never, ever get used to it. And we would never be half-hearted, we'd stand up for the truth. And praise God, we're part of a fellowship that stands for biblical truth. Isn't that right? Amen. And we've got pastors in charge that are watchmen, that are sounding the alarm, that are warning the people of impending danger. Half the church is out there, they're sleeping. They're nowhere. They're not preaching anything that's preached in here. And I know the church isn't perfect. <laughs> we know it's not. No church is. 
will be praise God, the blood in the book is lifted up. And it's, it just, it's, been real, it's been a real challenge to me, folks, to wake up, to get on our knees, to seek the face of the Holy God who wants to move in these last days. This is the last of the last days. And he wants to move. And he wants a body of believers that are dead to this world, that are dead to the, the, the lusts of this world. And it's going to be a challenge to me. This has been a real challenge to me. You know, I just want to see the Lord lifted on high. Like, as Glenn preached last week, it was so refreshing. Christ and Christ alone. No matter what happens, Christ. This way, Christ. Christ in front, Christ behind. You know, and I want to see the author of our salvation lifted on high. And I pray one prayer. Less of us and more of him. And that's our prayer. And that's our heart, isn't it, folks? We want less of us. And I pray, even, even if it's a little less, come out of here tonight, less of us and more of him. Andre Marie says, A true revival means nothing less than a revolution, casting out the spirit of worldliness and making God's love triumph in our heart. You know, if you think back in the, the past, there's been many revivals, many awakenings throughout the, the ages. You think of the Reformation. And I have to be honest, I've been saved a lot of years, and I've been part of churches that haven't even spoken about the Reformation. Yeah. And as Ken has said several times, it's the biggest move of God I'd say Pentecost. Yes. You know, and I was never... I knew about it, yes. I knew uh, about the, the bare bones of it. But I've only really studied it now. On how it was pioneered by the Holy Spirit. And how it was a mighty move of God. You know, you think of the 18th and 19th centuries. The years of David Bernard, Jonathan Edwards, John Wesley, Finney, D.L. Moody. You know, one of the biggest revivals that I've read about is Evan Roberts. That man had a vision... That man had a vision, a hundred thousand souls and wheels alone would be saved. You know how he done it? He on his knees. And he sought the face of God. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And they believed that God was going to move. And that excites me. Because that happened then. It can happen now. It can happen now, and I believe that. The use of alcohol and wheels dropped by fifty percent during that revival. Police became unemployed. <laughs> the, the, the people in the courts were handing in white gloves. What that means? No crimes committed. There's no cases to be tried. There's no crimes committed. The you know, police became unemployed. And that spilled out into, into England, into Ireland, into Scotland. Like the Archbishop of Canterbury called the National Day of Prayer. When was the last time that happened? And I think if he called it now, it would, it would be ecumenical. It would be bad. <laughs> we will not go there. But I haven't heard it happen in, in recent time. You know, and it spilled into parish churches. One parish church specifically confirmed 950 converts. You know, revival swept through Ireland, Scotland, Europe as well. You know, the revival, a revival began in Norway as well. It was described as the biggest revival ever experienced. It, it spread to Sweden, Finland, Denmark. Lutherans described the revival as the greatest move of the Holy Spirit since the Vikings were evangelized. That's all because one man or one group of people prayed and sought the face of the Lord. And that's us tonight. We're here tonight. And the same thing can happen because Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. You know, ministers gathered in America as well. It spread to America as well. They, they gathered in various conventions to prepare for an awakening. In Philadelphia, a Methodist stood reporting having 6,100 new converts in trial membership. The pastors of Atlantic City claimed that there was only 50 unconverted souls in the city. 
that's pretty amazing. So it is. All because one man had a vision to see God glorified in his generation and his time. Lord, give us a burden for souls such as this. You know, we want to see our, as I've said, we want to see our towns transformed. We want to see our workplaces transformed, don't we? We want to see our family members that are unsaved, lost. We know they're lost. The flames are licking around their feet, folks. It's getting late. You know, it has to start in our hearts. And I believe God's going to call a holy remnant of people that are hungry and are thirsty to see his name lifted on high. That's really Isaiah. That's just a wee introduction. We'll get to the word now. I'll have to lift the word up. Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith the Lord. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight the desert a highway for, in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and every hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord, let's get this, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Hallelujah. You know, just a wee bit of history, the previous 39 chapters of Isaiah had some comfort, and they had some hope, but they're mostly a tone of judgment, of, 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 of um, warning. Most of the time it was through them. You know, in, in, chapter, in chapter 39, Isaiah told King Hezekiah that days were coming when everything in your palace that all your fathers have stored up until today will be carried off to Babylon. And that was 39. It says nothing, nothing will be left. You know, Judah was running quickly into captivity. And Isaiah's message is that God has a tender message also. This is where he starts in Isaiah 40. He has a tender message. He hasn't forsaken them. He hasn't forgotten them. He wants them to know that they're forgiven, that he cares about them. So, so Isaiah 40 shifts to a tone of comfort, to a tone of blessing. These, these verses speak of how God would release his people out of slavery and out of bondage. And praise God, he's released us, hasn't he? Out of slavery. We once were slaves, bound by the enemy. And praise God, he's lifted us and set our feet upon the rock. You know, the area in which they lived at the time was a present, it's a present state of Iraq. Isaiah prophesies that the people would be released and go on a journey through the Arabian desert. Now, this desert was inhospitable. A rough place. You know, not a very nice place. Um, it speaks of where we are now. <laughs> in our world, it's an un- inhospitable environment. You know, uh, it's not a very nice place to be in. You know, it's difficult. You know, there's little water. It's a, it's a dry and barren place. And me and Ruth were just talking. You know, in your workplace, you're facing all the language. You're facing everything else. And it's difficult, folks. I know it is. But God brings springs of water to thirsty people. You know, verse 1 of Isaiah speaks of how God wanted to speak comfort. Because the announcements that the Babylonians would take someday capture Jerusalem, it might have been hard to take. And Second Corinthians 1 verse 3 speaks that God is a God of all comfort. You know, and we have many bottles up ahead, haven't we, folks? We're going to have things in our future that are difficult. We might have things in our lives now. But Lord, uh, even the Lord might be testing us. We might be going through a period of testing. But it's always a heart of a grace. It's a heart of, to prosper us and not to harm us, to give a future and to give us a hope. You know, and that's a hard place to be. <laughs> the place of testing. The place of refining. But there's, there are times when the Lord's the closest. 
And sometimes we're going through stuff that's difficult, don't we? That's hard. But there are the times when God's closest, and we sense Him the closest. And I can speak at my own experiences. Maybe your life's, your life's all in front of you, your plan and everything in your life. And, and like the rug's just pulled from under your feet. And everything you thought you were doing is just, it's just gone. But I knew God spoke to me, spoke to me clearly. He says, you honor me, and I will honor you. And the Lord has restored the years that the locusts have taken. Amen. Is it warm in here or is it just me? <laughs> it's just me then. <laughs> verse 2. If we look at verse 2. Jerusalem needed a, war, a, a word of comfort that the war was ended. You know, and the, At the moment I, Isaiah was speaking this, there was still an army against him. But as far as God was concerned, the battle was won. It was over. The battle was already won. And we might be facing stuff. We might be facing difficulties. But praise God, God has already won the battle. The victory on the Calvary has, bought, has won the victory for us. The war has ended. And Jesus Christ, it is finished. Hallelujah, it is finished. You know, I just wanted you to take heart that God has already won the battle. I know we can testify, can't we? We know the end of the book. <laughs> we know the end from the beginning. You know, you know, Christ is the one that strengthens us. You know, why should we be afraid of the enemy? Why should we fear the enemy and God is for us? Who can be against us? You know, we can, why, why can we not get victory over the enemy? You know what I mean? <laughs> Jesus is the one that gives us the strength. Hallelujah. Praise his name. For her iniquity is pardoned. You know, now this is real comfort to us. As sinners condemned unclean. We were once sinners condemned unclean. And thankfully our iniquity is pardoned. We're thankfully that our, 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 Christ has ransomed, paid the ransom for us. Our fine has been paid. We're set free. Paid by what? The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that precious blood. Ken spoke about it. The precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Our iniquity is pardoned. You know, and God didn't simply let us off the hook. You know, away you go there, like. You because know, that would make God a wicked judge, you know. Something he can never be. Um, it was our sin-bearing Savior that received from the Lord double for all his sins. No, our sins. He received double. He received the Lord's hand double for all our sins. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we may be the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. And we'll go to verse 3. Verse 3 speaks about a monarch. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And this is where we're going here. This speaks about a monarch or a head of state uh, going through this desert. I'm going through these paths, going through this desert land. You know, and these verses were partially fulfilled by John the Baptist. And well, Matthew 3, verses, verse 3. But they'll see their ultimate fulfillment. Whenever Christ comes back, the second coming. And hallelujah, it's coming soon. Folks, buckle up, it's coming soon. And he will come to rule and reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. So the idea here is that all obstructions were to be removed. So at the march... The monarch marching through would be able to pass through peacefully without any difficulties, without any, any hindrances. Jesus is our head of state. Jesus is our monarch, isn't he? Yeah. Praise his name. He has to have a clear path to come through our lives, folks. You know, some things might, to, might need to happen. There's been a challenge. I'm preaching to myself here, first and foremost. You know, a pathway needs to be made for him to journey. 
all the way into every area of our hearts and every area of our lives. You know, and that's a difficult thing, because <laughs> there might be things we are hiding, maybe things that maybe God hasn't got full control of, maybe things we are afraid to let go of. Let's focus in on verses 4 and 5. You know, we want to get to verse 5. That's where you want to go. Read verse 5. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Praise the Lord. That's where we want to go. We want the Lord to be glorified. But we have the journey through verse 4. It says here, firstly it says, Every valley shall be exalted. A valley is a crevice, or a gutter, like a low place. It speaks, this speaks of all obstructions were to be removed. You know, what is wrong in the road needs to be corrected. Isaiah speaks here of a filling process. That is, every valley or every low piece of ground had to be filled up to make a level highway. In other words, impassable valleys had to be filled up to make a level road for the journey for the monarch to come through. And God is asking us tonight, myself included, what areas have we allowed to slip? What areas do we need to put right in our lives? For him to breathe afresh in their lives. And I know we're weak, we're weak vessels. We are. And this is, I'm, not I'm not speaking condemnation to anybody. Because there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Isn't that right? But what about our Bible intake? What about our prayer life? What about our... Do, do, we, do we burn with a passion for souls? When was the last time we wept? For souls? I asked myself that. I have family members. We all probably have family members that are not saved. When was the last time we wept? Knowing that they're lost. Knowing they're not listening to what we tell them. Knowing that they're going to a lost eternity. You know, it's a challenge to me. Well, folks, I'm going to say it. What about our love for each other? What about our love for our brothers and sisters? You know, and I praise God this is a body of believers and we do love each other. We do care about each other, but Paul speaks in Philippians, we have to look out for the interests of others. Not just ourselves. We have to reach out. When was the last time you went over to somebody you're just not too sure about and say, how are you doing? Are you keeping okay? You know, um, this is how the world will know we're his disciples. When we love one another, when we care for each other. And I know we all put our church face on and it's difficult. It's difficult to open up to people. But ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in, the, in the, a situation to, to help somebody and support somebody, maybe counsel somebody. You know, may the fruit of the Spirit, we want the fruit of the Spirit to be manifest in our lives and everything we do and everything we say. You know, we have to have unconditional love. And that's hard, isn't it? <laughs> you know, because some people can get in your goat like, you know. <laughs> you know, but then the there's always people that, they're, that can try us like. Yeah, but anyway, the Lord gives us strength, gives us grace, gives us a love and a heart for people that we can't love in our, in our own flesh. We can't live, and we surely can't love them in our own flesh. That's why God gives us the grace and gives us a heart. Because anyway, everything starts with a burden. Mr. Wilkerson, David Wilkerson says, nothing good happened of God unless it was broke, born out of anguish, born out of a brokenness for a particular situation or a group of people. And he, he says you have to be taken down into the waters of anguish and weep, weep over people maybe that's not listening. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. A mountain or a hill is something that stands taller than the landscape around it. It refers to a lowering process. You know, high mountains or hills had to be dug down 
so as to make the journey easy. You know, all obstructions had to be removed. And we can say, lift up our eyes unto the hills. For man's come with our help. Our help comes from the Lord. And we can say that with confidence. You know, we all have mountains, haven't we? We all have difficulties. We all have mountains that we face. God's in control. And God will deal with them. And God will, you know, I'm not making light of issues that people are facing. Because I know we all have issues in our lives. Whether it's personal, whether it's financial, whether whatever it is, everybody has things in their lives. It just knocks you. It just floors you. You know, folks, he's the God of the mountain. And he's the God of the valley. And he's with us in the good times. And he's with us equally in the bad times. You know, and it's okay when everything's rosy in the garden. And if you're in that situation where everything is rosy in the garden and you're on the mountain, share it or something. Because not everybody is. You know, we look to Jesus, so we do. You know, when the rubber hits the road, so to speak, you know, where do we turn? Sometimes we, we, we fail, and sometimes we let the Lord down. This man included. From the back to the front, we all let the Lord down, don't we? But God will make a way, folks. He'll make a way through the trials. You know, and we sing that song, don't we? We can sing a lay, can't we? As well as we can say one. You know, God will make a way. You know, I just pray that the Lord will increase our faith. Like I say, you know, everybody has their own insecurities. Everybody has their own fears. But if we look to Christ, look to Him, the Author and Finisher of our faith, you know, He will lead us and He will He will, He will give us the strength that we need. The crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. You know, this refers to getting things lined up the way they should be. You know, if we want revival. And we do want revival. I honestly believe there's nobody here tonight that doesn't that, that doesn't want revival, and doesn't want an awakening, doesn't want a stirring. You know, we hear about a lot of awakenings nowadays and outpourings and all these things, and it does. There's a bit of caution with the whole thing. I understand because there's so much out there that is so wrong. It starts with a repentance. We need, at the very minimum, at the very start, it should be a repentance revival, shouldn't it, folks? You know, maybe we have to identify. Maybe wrong turns we've made, we've, we've made. Maybe a wrong relationship, or maybe we've allowed work, maybe we've allowed even recreation, football. <laughs> it's torture, sure it is, at the minute. But um, I have to listen to all the boys and work. You know, things like that can rob you. Things like that, you laugh not loud. God bless you, brother. <laughs> okay, and have a word. <laughs> but things like that can rob us. Steal your joy, so I can. You know, from what the most important thing is in life, and that's seeking the face of God, and living for Christ, pouring our lives out to Him, being good stewards of our time. Time is a big one. These things, I think they're a curse to be honest. Amen. You, sister, I honestly do, and I'm as guilty as anybody. I don't know about anybody else. But I think they're a curse. They're the biggest distraction. The I would say, if we were on our knees as much as we looked at our phones, I would say revival would be at the door <laughs> of our own hearts and our own lives. You know, and that's a challenge to me. And maybe what about fasting for a week? It's a challenge. Maybe, maybe a day. <laughs> Start with a day. Will you? you know, but these things pull us away from God's presence. You know, maybe it's a road. Maybe we're on a road of pride. God resists the pride, but he gives grace to the humble. Get off that crooked path. 
Maybe it's a road of secret sin. You know, it's a tidal wave of pornographic filth out there now. So it is. You don't have to go too far. And our kids are being trapped by it. You know, it's destroying people, so it is. Maybe it's a sin, a secret sin that hasn't been confessed. Get off that path. Get on the path of righteousness. Confess before the Lord, knowing that he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. I just pray that we step on that path of submission, surrender, and obedience to God's word and the will of God. Maybe it's a road of bitterness. Maybe we're angry at people. Maybe people have let us down in the past. Maybe they haven't. Maybe, this, maybe you have feelings towards somebody. Create in me a clean heart, Lord. Renew a right spirit within me and restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You know, I just pray... Like we go to verse 5, you know, we read verse 5, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Hallelujah. That's where we want to be. We want to be in that place. We want to be in that place where the King of glory can have free passage into our hearts, can fill us with his presence, to the point of him being everything and anything we desire. Glenn, Glenn was so refreshing last week. Christ, only Christ. And I know people are going through stuff. It's just, that sometimes cliched Christian talk doesn't wash. And I know things are hard. But we, as Ken said on Sunday, we've got to be rooted in God's word. Rooted in truth. So we can lift it up and we can exalt it. And we can speak against situations. And we just pray that the glory of the Lord will be revealed. You know, the glory of the Lord revealed in our generation, all flesh would see it. How awesome would that be? A church, a body of believers, transformed by the power of the Spirit, so much that the world sees Christ shine out of us. You know, salt, we're salt and light, aren't we? Salt creates a thirst. <laughs> I always think about that. Salt creates a, creates a thirst. And I always examine myself. Does my life create a thirst in people? For righteousness, for Christ, the people look at you and, and see the salt and they go, that person has something. And I want what that person has. Does it create a hunger and does it create a thirst for the things of God? And I just pray with all of my heart that we would see a church unified and filled with love for each other. And going forward in the power of the Holy Spirit to reach the lost, to reach this damn generation, folks out that door. People are lost. They're so lost and they need... They need a people filled with the Spirit. You know, may we be like the disciples going to the marketplace. May we go into the marketplace of our time, into our workplace, into the marketplace, and they turn the world upside down. Simple faith. That's all they had. They, they, had, they didn't have a, finished, a completed Bible. It wasn't completed. They had nothing like that. They had the power of the Spirit and prayer. And they you know what? They loved each other. They just, all their belongings, they just heaped it all into the pile. Whatever you need, take I've left that a wee bit, haven't we? <laughs> Mr. Spurgeon says, Wherever Christ comes, it is so. All things are right at his appearing. And if the Lord do but manifest himself to us tonight, each one we shall find the crooked things made straight. We shall see the mountains of difficulty leveled and the deep depressions will all be filled up and there will be a causeway along which the Lord triumphantly can ride to display the greatness of his power. 
There is nothing that shall hinder the coming of the Lord to us. And when he comes, there is nothing that shall stand against him. Amen. Vance Havner says, Revival is the church falling in love with Jesus all over again. And folks, that's where it comes. That's where we have to go to. You know, I, you might say to yourself, it's okay saying all this, but how do we practically apply this? How do we practically apply this to our hearts? Because self-surrender is not easy. Because the flesh, it's, it's our biggest enemy. It's the biggest enemy I have anyway. But thankfully we can follow the example of Christ himself. He lived the ultimate life of self-surrender, didn't he? John 10, verse 17, 18. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. Amen. He chose to lay his life down for us. What a wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He chose to lay his life down. Full surrender to the Father's will. Full surrender. And ultimately led to him being what? Crucified. Scourged. Beard pulled from him. His back was like a ploughed field. Folks, come on. What do we... We have to self-surrender. It's probably a doubt we're going to have to go through something like that, as extreme as that. But what, what stops us from surrendering ourselves? What stops us from yielding fully to the Holy Spirit, you know, and no one's going to force you to do it. No one's going to force me to do it. Nobody's going to force you to do it. You know, nobody's forced to yield their life to God. You know, He doesn't make us sacrifice our will. You know, and give up our lives. He doesn't make us do it. He doesn't force us to do it. He freely offers us milk and honey. He freely offers us all the blessings. But folks, we may choose not to enter that fullness. But the truth is, we can have as much of Christ as we want, can't we? You know, we can we can go as deeply into Him as we want. We can pray as much as we want, and I just pray we want to live fully by His Word, fully surrendered, fully yielded unto Him. You know, we have to lay aside our will, our plans, our purposes. You know, take up our cross every day, and this is that's just the crux of the message. What I want to say, isn't it? Let us take up our cross. Let us deny our flesh. Take up our cross and seek Him with all of our hearts. You will find complete fulfillment. What have we got to lose, Sorry. folks? At the end of the day, it's near the end. It's the last of the last days. So what have we got to lose? You know, may we be that living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto, unto God, which is our reasonable service. You know, it's the least we should do, really, because we. We have everything we need. We have all the weapons of our, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty in God, they're pulling down our strongholds. We have every battle, every armor, every piece of armor that we need to fight every battle any time of any day. Romans thirteen and, and just in closing. Verse 11. And this is it, folks. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep.
For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The dead is hand. Let us therefore cast off all the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly, honestly. Let us walk in love with each other, kindly considering each other better than ourselves. Let us cast off work. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh or to fulfill the lust thereof. And I just pray with every ounce, every ounce of this weak vessel that we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We would yield to him. We would have no worry of our hearts, no worry of our life. That's not, that he doesn't have full access to. There'd be nothing that we would yield everything to him. You know, Jesus stands at the door. Folks, he knocks. He's in our hearts, we know he is. But there might be a door closed. There might be a door that he's not. He knocks at, but he doesn't get open. You know, he says, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. You know, this is Christ's call. This is not me. Thank the Lord that he chooses the weak things of the world. Because I qualify. <laughs> you know, this is Christ called us tonight to have full access into every area of our hearts and every area of our lives. So we can say it in Second Chronicles 7 verse 14. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves. Humble themselves. Let's open our hearts, folks. Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. Then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Folks, let's fall in love with the Lord again. Let's fall in love. Give us a passion and a zeal for his presence, to know him, for him to know his life eternal. He's a lily of a valley. He's a bright and morning star. Oh, Lord, Lord, we just worship your name, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We glorify your name. Hallelujah, Father God. Oh. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Oh, Lord. Lord, we just praise your name. We lift up the mighty name of Jesus tonight. We thank you that you are the captain of our salvation, Lord God. Oh, Lord, we just, we just pray that no flesh be seen here tonight. No flesh be glorified tonight, Lord God. We want the name of Jesus to be lifted on high in our hearts, in our lives, in, our, in the difficult situations that we face, Lord God. Lord, nothing is too hard for you, God. Nothing is too hard for our Savior, our Lord, our Master, our Ruler. Oh, Lord, we, Lord, I confess in my own heart. Lord, the, the lethargy, Lord, is in my heart. The coldness that can be in my heart. Well, Lord, thank you, Lord. There's hope, Lord God. We can look to you, Lord God, and we can live. Bless your name. We glorify your name.